Hey podcasters, this is Brett, and I wanted to welcome you to Life After Death. Uh, today we're going to kind of do something a little bit different. I'm changing it up a lot. Um, after a lot of time and thinking, I've decided to revamp my podcast and start speaking with survivors of suicide. And I am doing this because I want to allow people to have an opportunity to listen and hopefully get something out of meeting new people and people sharing their stories. So today's episode is going to be about Greg. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Greg. Uh, I want to start off the story talking about Greg um, going back into his childhood. So uh, Greg grew up in a broken home. He uh, lived part-time with his mom. He lived part-time with his dad. Um, His mother had um, some, you know, young issues where she wanted to kind of do her own thing and allow Greg to kind of stay with his grandmother and... um, and whenever it wasn't working, it he would then go and stay with his father. Um, his father had history of abuse, and so Greg was known to be the the blunt of those those uh, issues. Um, fast forward into Greg's teenage years. Um, Greg was openly gay in a small town in South Georgia, and being one of maybe three other um, gay children or high schoolers, um, it was a big issue amongst his peers. Um, At the age of 16, Greg lost his mother. Uh, She was murdered um, by her current husband, Um, but this was not Greg's father. Um, After that, uh, Greg then moved in with his grandmother and grandfather um, and about three months after his mother's death um, his grandfather passed away with leukemia fast forward a little bit more um, Greg then um, moved in with his father's side of his family and became very close to his grandfather on that side who was his biggest supporter Um, his dad had a lot of concerns and issues with Um, Greg's uh, lifestyle I guess you'd say and um, and kind of shunned him and didn't really want to have a lot to do with him but his grandfather was very supportive Um, and so after having that support uh, it helped Greg to kind of become more of an individual um, through his high school years Uh, but not too long after he entered his senior year his grandfather passed Um, also of cancer. So then the reason why this story is so close to me and the reason why I'm making it episode one is because Greg was and has I guess always been one of the loves of my life and Greg and I were in a relationship together for 12 years. Um, Greg and I met, um, I was in college and Greg was just starting college and he told me the first night that we met that he knew that he was going to spend the rest of his life with me. Um, I did not believe him. And so, um, I, uh, you know, I kind of just thought of it as it was. So we spent 
at this point, we were together for about three years, and the person that he was closest to in his family um, on his dad's side was his aunt, who was just a very free thinker. Um, we call her M. We call her Aunt M. And um, she was a very free thinker and just an amazing individual. Um, just such a large personality and incredible woman. Um, I think Greg's breaking point was the day that we found out that she was murdered in her home um, with her killer still at large. Um, she was found sitting at her dining table, um, head on the table, shot in the back of the head. And to this day, from my knowledge, uh, the killer has never been found. So Greg has grown up in a lot of death and he had a lot of feelings about death. Um, he felt like anyone that became really close to him died. And so it was a big toll on him. And so his depression and anxiety was already very large. Um, we then relocated to Florida um, and uh, spent the rest of his years here in, in, in Florida. Um, it was about six years into our relationship when um, Greg was out doing his freelance photography um, he was a wildlife photographer at the time, and he was taking a picture of an osprey and, and an osprey nest, and while he was climbing the tree, um, a branch broke and he fell 30 feet. At that point, he fell and landed on his feet and compressed his spine. Um, he then was rushed to the hospital, and they had to put two rods in his back um, and several screws to kind of help decompress his spine and I say all of this because all of this kind of leads up to where Greg was in his last year or so of his life um, Greg dealt heavily into depression and seeing that there really wasn't a lot of purpose in life um, after his accident he had to kind of relearn to walk and get his bearings again and become independent which he still, I think, in his last days didn't feel like he was, you know, very independent at all. So in his last days, um, we were uh, discussing if we were moving or going to move into another place because we were renting a home. And um, he just had no interest in having the conversation. Um, on August 4th, 2018, that morning um, I had to go to work and um, I was taking a shower Greg walks into the shower or into the bathroom and tells him that he loves me and he walks out I had no idea on that day that that would be the last words that I ever heard from him um, I got out of the shower got ready and then left to go to work um, sending him a couple of text messages uh, letting him know that I would be home in a few hours, um, letting him know what I had to do and whatnot, and never getting a response, but not really thinking anything of it because um, he was known to leave his phone, and and he was always known to be outside with with our dogs. So I just assumed that he was outside with the dogs. Several hours go by, and um, I come home from work, and um, I walk into the house, and it is a very stagnant um, 
just gloomy feeling when I walk in and I know something's wrong, but I just can't figure out what. One of our dogs who is probably the one of the oldest that we have, um, I noticed was sitting next to the back door and almost reluctant to move. And so I continue to kind of stress for her to move and, and let's go outside, let's go somewhere. Um, but she just didn't want to go. Um, finally, I opened the door and was trying to let her out. And um, and she then wanted to progress to go and stand in front of the garage door. Um, our garage was connected to the inside of the house. We could go into the laundry room and then from the laundry room get to the garage. Um, it was very odd. Um, and that at that point like she was sitting in at the garage door and I noticed the garage door was closed uh, it was very odd honestly for the garage door to be closed because we never ever closed the garage door and um, so I knew at that point that he was in there so I guess I want to kind of change the story just a little bit and kind of introduce what we're going to be talking about next. Um, so what we're going to do is I just want to take a quick break and bring in my guest for the day. Hey, and welcome back. Um, thanks so much for still being here with us. Um, I wanted to kind of finish up the story that I was telling you about Greg. Um, so Greg, um, after uh, I moved my, my dogs outside and realized that the door to the garage was locked, um, I then reached out to a friend of mine um, and I asked my friend um, on the phone, um, I, I just need you here. I just need you to get here. And um, I think it was one of those things where I already knew, already knew something had happened, but I needed just, an, I already knew that how I was going to handle the situation. I just needed someone to be there in that moment. So um, my guest for the day is Ashley. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and the reason why Ashley is my guest for the day is because Ashley was actually there with me that day um, whenever we found Greg. So Greg decided to take his own life um, in the garage of our home. And um, I'm not going to go into any like detail or anything like that because I think that is, you know, is really no one's business. Um, but Greg did decide that his last days were going to be in the garage. Um, and so I, I brought Ashley in because I, I know my perspective of how I saw and how I was feeling and, and what was going on within me. But I, I'm, I wanted to bring someone in that um, was obviously there, but also at the same time... Um, was kind of experiencing it a little differently, I think. Do you, you? I agree. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Um, so I kind of, I guess, Ashley, I just wanted to ask you what you, like, what is, what is 
your experience with that story and 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 you know for the listeners that may think that like we're kind of like masking a lot of stuff it's just more like it's still a sensitive topic right i mean you know we're well in the privacy of um greg as well you know right so and we're and we're in his this will we're we're nearing the 11th month mm-hmm. mark so so it's not even been a full year yet right so um go ahead and and kind of okay. i guess address <laughs> and and you know whatever you feel like saying or whatever you you know if you need to take a break we can take a break as well all right well um that day started off pretty i guess happy <laughs> yeah uh we've done a lot of shopping and stuff and so it was a very light-hearted day um once we separated and then you called me back i was thinking you're calling me back to have drinks at lemon bar okay. <laughs> um that was my uh thought but that's not the uh urgency in your voice said otherwise and so um once you asked me to come because you just had that that feeling that something was wrong you know i got off the phone and you know immediately headed towards you but in my head i'm like maybe maybe greg is just i don't know wandering around somewhere right um because sometimes he would go do his own thing yeah (laughs) so i was trying to think as positive as i could um in that sense because if i i guess got overwhelmed with the idea that that wasn't the case um then i guess i wouldn't be able to help you as much as i needed to at that point um but there was a sense of urgency uh, in me but i I just i guess i was trying to like stay level-headed about the whole thing and i actually was on the phone with a friend and i and you actually met this friend that summer and i told her what was going on and that you thought that um there was something wrong because the garage door was shut but i told i told her i said he's probably just you know around the neighborhood or just somewhere else he's probably it's probably okay and so once I got there um, to the house where you were, um, you were very adamant that he was behind the door. And I guess I was just in denial, <laughs> maybe, yeah. um, that he was behind the doors because I don't think that you never want to think that somebody is taking their own life. Right. So you just kind of, but you knew him better than I did. And you know, the, the, the struggles that he went through better than I did. So it was just, you know, me as the outside looking in, like he's not, he's not back there. You know, um, once we kick down this door, um, it's going to just be an empty garage. And then we're going to have to go on and do the next step in finding where Greg is. Right. Um, or locating his phone or what have you. Right. Um, so after I tried to throw my body into the door, uh, which at this point I'm kind of glad that I didn't succeed in actually opening the door that way, we decided to kick the door in. Yep. I remember I had to go and get a boot. my boot mm-hmm. and, and <laughs> put my boot on. It was that, I guess, police knowledge that I kind of drew from I was like oh you know go you in order to get it because I never kicked down a door right but I, I thought about uh, my ex at the time and the things that he used to tell me about um, you know police having to kick down a door and where they have to and so it was it was almost as if um, 
I've become like a different person in that sense. More, um, I don't know the word for it. I was strategizing yeah. at that point. I mean, you were you were told me, and I because I, I remember I remember that whole day very vividly. You told me exactly where to kick. You're mm-hmm. like, put your boot on, and I need you to kick like right there. Like it, it just it. That's exactly what <laughs> happened. Um, and so it was almost, I guess, like a, a movie or search and rescue. Yeah. Um, type of experience, but it was very surreal once the door was open. Yeah. Um, you saw first, um, and I knew I had to look because I needed to be sure what you was, were seeing, and so once I got a clear vision of what was on the other side of the door, I immediately shut the door and yelled at you to move away from the door. Yeah. Um, Because I didn't want you to make the experience any more traumatic for yourself by um, looking any longer. Sure. Um, Because I think that seeing it all together is enough (laughs) <laughs> right. Where you don't need it. You, you just like, and I know that sometimes people, I guess, are in denial when it comes to death. So they cling on longer or, you know, whatever it is when, when someone, say if someone dies in a hospital bed, um, right. they tend to want to just lay there with them. And I didn't want you to have that experience. Right. Um, I, I think with, with the whole experience and, um, uh, going through it, I, you know, I go through it in my head mm-hmm. every day, mm-hmm. and kind of uh, seeing. I mean, I, I it's very vivid in my head daily, mm-hmm. um, and I think for me, um, it's you know we're approaching year one. I won't say it's like gone in any form or fashion, but I do say that the days are getting easier, mm-hmm. and I think for this podcast I guess my my really big focus in moving the direction that I am with this podcast is talking about the situation that occurred but then also talking about where we are now and how we are not really overcoming it but also but but maybe more so coping with coping and memorializing that person Mm -hmm. um tell me days after even months after how what what were you feeling how how were you feeling what was going on with you so well actually i want to start with that the day right um i think that day after even i guess well can i start with calling actually 911 yeah so um once i made the call to 911 i think that if we could actually hear that I was very calm in a sense probably I won't say too calm because everybody handles things differently but I think that I there was urgency but I wasn't just like rattled and then after calling 911 I had to phone our other mutual friends and so I had said it so many times like I'd said this is what happened right and you know so forth and so on a million times it's it felt at least and then even to the fact that I had to talk to police or we had to talk to police and so I think in that moment I was very numb to mm-hmm. like what was truly going on even though I know what I saw and I know this is what happened yeah. but I think I was um, numb enough for a reason and then once 
I guess you were taken care of by others that are friends, I was able to actually let what happened be more realistic. Right. Um, I want to. I want to. I want to fast forward to a moment that a conversation that we had. Uh, maybe even I think it's maybe like even like a month later mm-hmm. where you said that you didn't feel like you were you should oh. grieve mm-hmm. or have the level of pain that mm-hmm. I did or anyone else did because you didn't know Greg as well mm-hmm. and you didn't you, you weren't as close mm-hmm. to him and I think in a situation like this right. you know everybody again copes with it differently and everyone has the right to grieve in their own way I've since Greg's passing I've come into contact obviously with a lot of families and survivors of suicide and they're very fami- they're, they're very similar to what you mm-hmm. have said where um, if you're sitting down and you're talking to a mother who has lost their child mm-hmm. to suicide it's it's even I, I, I've gone through it where I'm like I don't know that level right. of pain right I don't like I know that you know being having a partner for 12 years and losing him mm-hmm. is still hurts right but I don't know what it's like to be a mother who has mm-hmm. lost a child to suicide and I I mean everybody has a different level of pain and experience but no no one's no one's pain is more than someone else's. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. like that. That to me is a really big, a really big thing that I, I wish everybody understood. Mm-hmm. Don't like mask some your pain because someone's pain might be a different situation. Right. Does that make sense? Right. And I think, <laughs> I think uh, that's actually kind of funny that you say that because. That day when I finally did cry, I felt bad for actually crying because I'm like, uh, I need to go console you, not you come back and because it's your boy or partner um, that needs that has left us in such a um, quick. unfortunate yes yeah, and a quick, quick way. way. So I felt um, I don't want to say ashamed. I just I don't know. I just felt like I shouldn't be the one right now upset. Um, mm-hmm. in, in that moment so um, I guess we can fast forward um, to maybe days after where I couldn't really sleep and I wasn't actually having dreams but I would wake up like every two or three hours so um, and I would always wake up at four o'clock every day for the longest actually it was waking up at four and or close to four we'll say and what what was what do you feel like was making you wake up or not able to sleep um i guess the the trauma of of being in that type of situation okay and not i guess not being at ease right because it's kind of hard to be at ease after seeing that and it had only been a few days and not only that, I um, was living alone, so it's not like I had. Yeah, I didn't have anybody. I mean, I I would go out maybe here and there with friends, but no one was actually staying with me. So sometimes that silence is very. Um, it's enhanced in a way when you're by yourself. Right. Um, not only that, but things that I enjoyed, I couldn't do at the time. 
I'm very into horror movies. And so I had to take that out of my daily um, viewing because there are certain scenes in horror movies that are very um, like, much like what we saw in some sense. Um, Yeah, I mean, I changed, I think even still today, there's a lot that I get angry with myself about because these are things that I used to do on a daily basis, mm -hmm. or not a daily, but like maybe, you know, common. I I, I was very common doing things. I would, there's certain movies that I love to go see. There were certain activities that I like to do. And after Greg passed, I just found myself not interested mm-hmm. in doing them or almost in fear of doing them and what could happen. Yeah, that's the same thing. Um, a friend of mine invited me to go to Halloween Horror Nights and I told her no. I probably would have some type of, I don't know, breakdown um, there because there, I think that anything jumping out at me or in any type of any visual could send me um, in tears probably yeah for sure so or just I would end up being very anxious through the whole experience and not really enjoying it because I'm anticipating seeing something that is going to trigger me right so I just it avoided the whole experience so um, how but, how do you feel you are doing now compared to let's say a month after let's how do you feel like you're doing how do you feel like you're doing now well sometimes I feel like I'm fine and then all of a sudden something pops up like a song or a movie and then it just sends me right back there okay um actually I know that I'm not completely fine because um my boyfriend he works the evening night shift well night shift I guess you would call it Um, so he leaves in the evening and gets home in the morning and so he needs to sleep during the daytime so he has these um, shades in his room that darkens the room and so when I would come into his apartment even though I've texted him and I know that he's at work every time that I would open his room door I would feel this sense of dread because the room door gave me the same visual as the garage yeah so one of the things that we left out that I I think is important because this is also a part of mine just Mm -hmm. like you were saying so the garage at the time um, the bulb had blown and there was no light and with the laundry room door closed and no light in the garage, there was just pure darkness mm-hmm. whenever we did actually get the door open. Mm-hmm. And the level of darkness, it was just, to me, still haunts mm-hmm. me, honestly. Yeah. It, I, don't, I don't have, I can't sleep in a completely like right. dark room. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's, it is very, um, it's very haunting. It is. It was... I guess like a horror movie almost or a very terrible uh, scare house um, is I guess the closest I could get to that because going into the uh, bedroom you know with everything being so dark and even the comforter is the comforter is black as well 
I would always look at the bed to see if if my boyfriend is laying in the in that spot. Um, and so I had to tell him this because I it just it bothered me so much to the point where I just didn't even want to walk in the room right, anymore yeah. while he wasn't there. But that's not an option because the bathroom is in the room. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> um, so that the mind plays tricks on you. And I remember telling him, and he said, and it wasn't that he doesn't um, empathize with me at all. But he was saying he's like, I just don't, I, I don't get it. Like, how come? It, it, <laughs> yeah, and that's true though, but because people don't, and I think, I think when it comes to death there's there's a grieving period and then there's a traumatic period mm. but when there comes to suicide there's just it's just amplified right because there's there's just a lot more i mean there there's death is death is already tragic mm-hmm. but suicide just leaves so many questions mm-hmm. and fear and um anger and like um and a true sense of like why right and was it me? Was it, you know, something I did? Was right. it, you know, was it something that, you know, I said? Was it something that, you know, occurred recently that just kind of put you over the edge? And I think um, one of the biggest things that I've ever been told was you can't rationalize an irrational thought. Mm-hmm. So you can't sit here and, and go, well, I wonder if this happened or I wonder if this happened mm-hmm. or I wonder... You know, if he meant this, or if he meant to do this, or and you, you know, you're trying to rationalize mm-hmm. a situation that is so irrational mm-hmm. that it's almost you're gonna you'll get stuck in it. Right. You'll get stuck in this whole like mystery mm-hmm. of like what if you know, ta- um, like Greg didn't leave a note, mm-hmm. and and so there was always the the idea of why was there no note Mm -hmm. and and not everybody does right not everyone does in in these situations leave leave a note but um i guess for me you know there you know we we talk about this and i want this conversation to be what it is it might be hard for certain people to hear Mm -hmm. um and it might be um almost too explicit Right. For for some and and I, and I don't want it to be that. What I want it to, what I want this whole conversation to be in this series of episodes that are going to be coming out is to is to bring suicide awareness to light mm-hmm. and and what it's what it's like to be not only the person that's going through it that has passed, but the the aftermath mm-hmm. of that and. They always say that that person's pain is not dissolved away, but is then passed along. It's like the um, ripple effect. Right, exactly. It, you do go, you go through like a ripple effect, and it's passed on to all of mm-hmm. his or her loved ones. Um, I guess for me, after Greg passed, I um, was very adamant about doing something. Right. I mean, you know how I am. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I can't. I can't just let something be. I, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I, I have to. I have to keep going and keep going. And uh, the reason why I originally started the podcast was for me to record stuff for me, honestly, mm-hmm. to hear. Right. And for me to hear me say, so I could listen back to it and start taking my own advice. 
truly (laughs) (laughs) good days and bad days um but then i then i thought about it and i mean i i have you know in three simple short little segments that i put out Mm -hmm. through this podcast i've had over 300 listeners and at that point i said you know other people are wanting to hear Mm -hmm. and for me to memorialize Greg and to not only um, tell his story but also to hear other people's story and and their experience and their ability to move forward I'm not going to say move on because there's no moving on but move forward um, I think is so important for someone to hear Mm -hmm. obviously suicide is so much more than just um, someone taking their life. Right. It is so much more than just um, an action, a death. Mm-hmm. It, it creates, like you said, a ripple effect on anyone and everyone that is involved and anyone and everyone that is close to that right. person. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess for me, I, I, I want to use this as a way for people to listen and to hear that in their lowest right. times, right. there is someone that would be there, that loves them, that wants to listen, that is willing to support them mm-hmm. in some form or fashion. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts or what is your opinion on um, why do you feel like this is important to do this and, I, and I'm meaning the podcast was right. um, honestly I feel like anybody who may be contemplating suicide um, because unfortunately after discovering Greg I went online and became obsessed with how one takes their own life like um, in the way that he did Mm -hmm. and they actually have like information on the internet and that's actually pretty awful yeah um so i think crazy that since that kind of information is available then something like this should be available also for those who are contemplating on taking their own life so that they can truly understand um what happens when the, when one does that because while it may be the end for you it's not for everyone else it's almost the beginning for everyone right. else so I, I just yeah I, I know it sounds like almost like I guess reverse psychology in a way but whatever you want to call it I just think that it could be useful to someone it shouldn't just be that um, other people who have lost someone listens to it. I think it right. should just be something that you hear and you, okay, so, you know, I would never want to make my loved ones go through that or, you know, because I don't think that, at least I don't know, but I don't think that when one is think, thinking about ending their life, they're really thinking about all the other things beyond yeah, I, that. I, again, it, you're in an irrational state, right. so you don't. You're not thinking of anyone else. I spoke to someone um, that had attempted, and her her um, her words to me were, um, "I didn't think of anyone else. Mm-hmm. I was only thinking about the pain that I was in at that point in time, mentally, physically, 
And I knew that my family loved me. I knew that everyone that was close to me loved me. But at that point, the pain and the, and the, and the sadness um, had overwhelmed mm-hmm. and had almost, she said, pulled her into a pit of just pure darkness. Right. And um, I, I guess for me, I want to tell anybody that is listening, if you ever um, do feel that, that low, there are ways to get help. Mm-hmm. There is always someone available to help. And I'm sure anyone that is close to you, one phone call away, all you have to do is tell them, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about dying. I'm thinking about killing right. myself. I'm thinking about suicide. Um, and I promise you, they will be there for you. Right. There are plenty of hotlines out there. Um, the suicide hotline is obviously um, out there. And at the end of the episode, I will um, give you the number for that. Um, but I want you to understand that there is someone available for you at all times. Greg um, is dearly missed on a daily, hourly, seconds. <laughs> um, I do not go by um, a day. I don't go a day without thinking about him. Yeah. Um, every little thing kind of um, triggers a thought or a memory or a what if and I think that um, it's really important um, to continue to talk about him and I think it's really important for us to talk about anyone that we lose to suicide you know um, it's kind of funny that you say that um, you know things make you think about him Um, because I was talking to someone the other day about um, this in a sense and how when somebody just dies um, naturally or because of, I don't know, cancer or accident, you think of, when you think of them, it's like, oh yeah, this reminds me of so-and-so, or this was so-and-so's favorite food, and things of that nature. And I'm sure you have that. But when you find someone a certain way um, who's died due to suicide, at least for me, I don't get the... Uh, happy pictures um. yeah it it, it 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 brings back memories I mean it, it's it's it is it is a challenge it is a challenge and I, and I am a work in progress every day um, and I think that the visuals and everything like that do limit themselves over time mm-hmm. but again we're still fresh in this situation. We haven't even hit our year mark yet. Right. And the year mark... Um, well, it's not even, like, sometimes visual. It, it The other day I was listening to um, 90s music or 2000s, early 2000s. Right. That's what I was craving. And uh, Sean Kingston's Beautiful Girls came on, and I love the melody of the song. And then it was like... Uh, they'll make you suicidal and I just started crying so so it's like you know I don't get it it's not a pleasant you know type of thing Um, it's like I know who Tyler was and I know his quirks and all those things but because of seeing him like that my and not having like a relationship with him like you did as a partner um, I don't get the like, oh, man, Tyler used to watch this movie together. I get like, oh, suicidal. Okay. <laughs> or, oh, I can't watch that movie. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it happens. And um, you get into these, like, I, I, I've even found myself where I, like, try to take away stuff that is, like, a good time that we had. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, like, our one of our favorite things was to go to the beach. And I'm like, oh, I'll never go to the beach again. But then I'm like, well, that's kind of... It's kind All of, your friends it's kind of beach, dumb because so. I love the beach and yeah, I, I live ten minutes say, from the beach. Yeah, and so. <laughs> so I want to go to the beach, you know. And and I find myself like I'm slowly doing these things again. And I and I I truly implore everyone to slowly start adding back things that make you happy. Mm-hmm. Um, days there are going to be days of triggers, mm-hmm. and that's just normal. Right. But at the same time, we we we're gonna we have to learn to move forward, mm-hmm. and I don't mean that in moving away or forgetting or leaving Greg behind. I mean, I we need to we have to create our own lives again right. and and become or keep living basically or keep living because I mean, Greg was a very happy person. I mean, he was spontaneous. He was very spontaneous. He was always like let's get in the car and drive to, you know, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And we did. You know, let's go to the French Quarter. Okay. Let's go to, you know, let's go to Miami. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and that was just his nature. Mm-hmm. And so now I get into those moods of like I wish I had that 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 spontaneous ability um, because that's one of the things that I loved about him. Um, but I, I'm not there yet. And, and that's a okay. Right. I mean, there's nothing wrong. It, it definitely does take time. But, you know, I, I talk to, um, people uh, weekly and I, I remember going to a support group meeting and being in that room and, and everyone introducing themselves and telling how many years it had been since their loved one had passed. And none of them were below 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, they were like, oh, my love, you know, my brother passed 10 years ago. My, you know, my mom passed 20 years ago. Right. And I remember sitting in that room getting, and I got mad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, damn. <laughs> Am I going to be here 10 years from now still sitting here talking about this? Like, what in the world? I remember just being so irritated. And I remember the, you know, the the person leading it going, you know, why are you, like, I, I just watched your body language change and you, you're you're angry. And I'm like, am I going to become this? Yeah. Like, that's what I want to know. Like, right. am I going to become this 15 years from now, coming to it, still going to support group meetings and, right. and, and survivors of suicide meetings and sitting here and going, oh, I lost someone mm-hmm. to suicide. Am I still going to be doing this 15 years from now? Right. You know, and I remember getting mad about it and then not just getting mad because of the situation and like myself, of like, am I going to have to do this forever? But also then remembering that like, I'm mad at Greg. I'm mad at him. Like right. I'm mad at him because now I'm having to do this yeah. every single week. I'm, I'm having to go and sit down and work with these with these other families and, mm-hmm. and individuals. And I remember just being so mad at him at that moment and going, you, you know, you left and now I'm, I'm a part of this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, months later I'm sitting here and I'm like, 
I love being a part of this, you know? And, <laughs> and it's kind of like, okay. Right, right. And <laughs> I do I do love being a part of it. And, and I love being a part of it for a specific reason. And that is because I love being able to help mm-hmm. someone. I remember my first time going to a meeting, a support group meeting, and saying everything that was going on in my head. And then everyone around me nodding and agreeing with me like yes I've gone through that and it was the first time I felt like I wasn't crazy right it was the first time I felt like well, okay I don't know about that oh no I'm still crazy <laughs> but but it was the first moment that I felt like these these individuals understand me right they understand what I'm going through they understand the feelings that I have they understand like the thought process and so they just got it so I, you know what I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and um, I think we've done a really good job of telling Greg's story. And so um, I am going to kind of conclude us for the day. Um, I do want to say thank you to everyone that has listened, that is still listening at this point. And Ashley, I want to say thank you so much for jumping in on this first episode. I know it's hard to kind of rehash a mm-hmm. lot of the things that happened and and kind of putting it all out there again, it is very difficult, but I do appreciate it because I think that us sitting here and talking about it has really, um, I hope is, is, is opening up right. someone's listening skills and, and, so. and, and understanding of that they're not alone. Right. I think that, um, for anybody that ever gets to that really like that dark place, just come here. Yeah. I mean, can they leave messages? They now? can. They can leave messages. So, I mean, he loves to talk. I do. I do love <laughs> so to talk. So, if you need some, if nobody in your life <laughs> is willing to talk to you, I guarantee you he will. Yeah, I am I am always available. Um, I have um, a link on the page where you can send messages to me. And so, if you ever just need someone to listen, I have a link where you can send um, audio messages to oh, me cool. and then we can I will then exchange my email and and we can communicate um, again I want to thank everyone um, for chiming in this podcast is called life after death and we are working on building yeah. our lives <laughs> now after after um, Greg's death all right well I hope everyone out there though um, whatever your struggle is you'll get through it um, because there's, it's life. There are always going to be struggles. Um, but just know that none of the struggles that you go through are worth your life. Right. I agree with you. All right, ladies and gents, I'm signing off. Have a good evening. Hey podcasters, this is Brett. I wanted to say thank you again for listening to Life After Death, but if you or anyone that you love has contemplated suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Their number is 1-800-273-8255. Again, their number is 1-800-273-8255.
273-8255.